tour of um, Hirschian ideas, uh, very much with Hirsch, and very much very. I, I my feeling on this part, at least of the book, is uh, it very much relies on, as I've said before, the power of language, and um, in, in the writing, even in English, as feeble as I imagine that is, um, is quite powerful. Let's uh, let's 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 see. Um, uh, we're going to we we are su supposed to now try to start examining Judaism from within uh, to understand the phenomena that is Judaism, and from that to extrapolate from there what it is that Judaism really wants or sees as being the ideals in life, as opposed to uh, starting with the assumption that the point of life is the pursuit of, of happiness and, uh, oh, I forgot what the, uh, the other, what, what, how did he say it? The pursuit of happiness and um, attainment of happiness and perfection. Um, let's, let's see how, how Hirsch views Judaism in, in the context of that, whether or not he agrees with those assumptions. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, okay, so the third letter is on page 27. I have allowed some time to pass before sending this letter so that vital questions touched upon at the end of the previous letter might strike root within you, um, where he basically points out that a, a mature observation or mature studying of Jewish thought is what's necessary if one is to, uh, to truly critique and try to understand what uh, what Judaism is really all about? Um, okay, uh, and and saying what is what is the purpose of Torah and mitzvos and all, all that goes along with it? Uh, okay, <clears throat> they might even have prompted you already to take the book of life into your hands. We're referring, of course, the book of life. He refers to to the Torah itself and to look at the Chumash to see, to open up the Chumash, to open up the Bible itself, and to study it from within, to try to get, get a grip or wrap one's head around what the purpose really is all is. Let us now open it together. We are agreed, dear Benjamin, that it is Yisrael we want to come to know. We want to try to understand who are these Jewish, what, is, what are the Jewish people, who are they, what is their purpose in the world. We want to appreciate the content and significance of this name, um, what it means to be people of Israel, the children of Israel, or the people of Israel, ours by birth, and discover what, as bearers of this name, we are and should be. What are, what are the goals? What is the purpose? Where are we supposed to be? On? But now, here we go. This is this is very. This is a fascinating sort of um, uh, convolute, in a certain way, convoluted way of of presenting. Uh, the reality as he perceives it. Israel is a historical phenomenon. We are here, we are, we are what we are, and we are what we've always have been, and we need to appreciate what that is. Um, among all the other facts of history. And therefore the question falls, what is the significance of history? What role does history play in shaping our opinion or our view of how the world, how the world stands? However we may understand history, it is certainly the road to the fulfillment of human destiny by mankind as a whole. Um, 
the study of history, the study of the pathway of mankind, how we've developed and how civilization takes it moves for moves, hopefully moves one forward uh, to some greater whole. Hence the question, what is man and what should he be? But that leads us to the question of what is it that we're actually striving to become? Where is it that we're headed? Or what is the, what is the purpose of our existence? Again, man is not isolated. He's one creature in a, in a world of many creatures. Uh, we're, there's a world around us that's full of other amazing things other than human beings. And yet somehow man, we look at man as being the central creature within the world, the most the, 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 the creature that defines every all, all the rest of the world. Um, again, man is not isolated. He's one creature in a world of many creatures, affected by them, influenced by them, exerting his influence upon them. And hence, what is the world? But just as anything created can be understood only through the plan of its maker, so Yisrael, the Jewish people, history, mankind, the world, all these can be understood only through God. And God is manifested to our eyes only through them, meaning our perception of what God actually is, is going to be uh, defined or, or, or understood only in as much as we, the observer, can understand him. That doesn't necessarily mean that we are actually defining him in any way, shape, or form, because in actual fact, if God is an infinite being, God is infinitely more powerful than whatever we understand. It's going to be limited. It's going to. It's, there's going to have certain inherent limitations that we're going to have to deal with. But this then is how the Torah guides us to an understanding of Israel and its task through recognition of God. It wants to bring us. The Torah all really wants to bring us to some sort of recognition of God and God's plan for the world, meaning. The way, I, the way I would express it is that the Torah is the das, it's the knowledge, it's the understanding of El Kim, of, of the one who um, causes the world to exist at every moment. What I mean by that is as follows. <clears throat> we, we find some, 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 some of the people that have been with us uh, through some of our other studies have, may have heard this before, but there are different names that I use to describe Hashem, that I use to describe God, that I use to describe the, the, the essence, the spiritual essence that is the source of the world. Um, so even, even we just use one now. Hashem means the one, the name, the ineffable name, the one that is, the one that is, that is above all description. So we just refer to him as the name. Or Hamakom, we refer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu as Makom, the place, the one who is the space of everything, meaning everything in order to exist, requires a space in which it exists. He is the space of all existence. He is, the space, he is what allows the existence of all things. The name Elohim, the name Elohim comes from the word, from the word il, comes from the word il. Il means a power. And what, what power is it that we're referring to when we refer to Elohim? It means he is, he is the power of all powers. He is the, he is the source of all power. He is the, he is the underlying provider for the existence of all things that are. That's why we say he is Baal HaKochos Kulam. He is the source of all energies. He is the one that brings the world into existence. Bereshis Bara Elkim, in, in the beginning, Bereshis, 
whatever, and that's that can be understood on multiple levels. I don't want to deal with that right now. That's beyond the scope of what we're discussing this morning. But Baratius, in the beginning, Bara Elokim, Elokim, the one who is the source of all of all energies, the one who is the source of all created, brought into into being the the world the world as we know it. That is that is the purpose of studying Torah. The, to, the purpose of studying Torah is to understand what is Elkim. What it, what does it mean that he's the source of all energies? What does it mean that he's the source through which everything flows and he maintains and continuously up up maintains the existence of the world on a on a moment to moment basis? He wills it into existence as it were, and at every moment in the willing into existence, what is the purpose? And that is what he's talking about when he says the Torah guides us to an understanding of Israel and its task through recognition of God, the world, and the purpose of man and of history. So let us follow the Torah's way of teaching. Let's try to let's try to get onto the train. Let's try to understand the pieces that make that that make that up. The Torah summons us to view heaven and earth and says to us, from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. Whatever you see in existence came to be when Bereshus Baralkim. Everything that is is only here because He willed it into existence. At its beginning, God as God as Creator brought it into being. What did it, what was it? The heavens in their everlasting, tranquil, unchanging course, or unchanging course. The source of light, heat, and every motive force on our planet. The carrier of our earthly life. That's that's what he brought. That is what he made. Look at the sky at night with its millions of galaxies or in the daytime illuminated by the glorious radiance of the sun or observe the earth, that swift runner with its eternal cycles of coming into being and ceasing to be a blooming and withering of life and death, decay, decline and death, forever struggle to reemerge into new existence, new blossoming in life. See the millions of species, rocks, plants and animals, which the earth produces and nourishes and takes back again into its bosom. See the light, heaven's messenger to the earth, coaxing all into life and then making it fade away again. The light by means of which you can see all things and which colors them for you in every hue. Or look at the rarefied atmosphere surrounding the earth, which intercepts the rays of light and diffuses them to serve the earth's needs and through which the clouds travel, collecting water and in turn, watering the parched soil, thirsty vegetation, beasts and men. See the oceans encompassing the earth, with all their embracing floods and the springs welling up from rock fissures and, and flowing forth as rivulets, brooks, and mighty rivers. I, I, the, the problem here is that I'm reading this too quickly. I, you have to, we have to read this, what, he, what Hirsch is saying here, and you have to savor it. Because see here, what he's painting for you here is a picture with, using words. That it's just the power of the imagery that he's using if you read it slowly and you enjoy it, just let it roll around inside you and appreciate what he's trying to get across. He the the point that Hirsch is trying to make is if we would stop for just a moment, just to just to look at the world around us, just to appreciate the pieces, the elements of what makes up our world and the beauty of everything that's around us, the source of every of every power, and understand that all of that came into existence because Hashem, Bereshis Baral came, because Hashem willed it into existence, because he said, let this exist. Now, again, somebody's going to ask me, what do you mean he willed it into existence? Doesn't it say, he are Hashem said that there should be, that's, that's a very fair point. Well, that's, again, 
not necessarily an in-depth discussion for, for right now, but the, that is exactly the point. The point is that when Hashem says something, it becomes what He says it is. That means that that means that that's the idea that Lashon Hakodesh, the language that's used in the Torah, expresses the very essence of what things are. Because a davar, a thing, and a davar, a word, are the same word. The word for a davar, the word for a, for a word, is davar, and the word for a thing is a davar because. The dibur is what may, makes it be manifest. Again, whether that's part of the creation that Akash Rochel doesn't, he, he, it's true, he could will something into existence and the moment he wills it into existence, it exists. But what he does is he creates it in stages and almost as a, as a, as a, as a passing through, which is a microcosm or, or, or on a certain sense of how, we bring things into the world. We have a, a flash of inspiration followed by a plan about how, how, how to manifest that in its pieces and its parts and finally bringing it together through the actions that we take, which, are, which t- t- taps into the whole idea of the nefesh, ruach, and neshama of what a person is or that a person, that a person connects on different levels, on different planes, and that's, that's, that has broader, broader ramifications. But right here, what Hirsch wants you to feel when he wants you to feel when, or what he wants his friend to feel when he's opening up the Torah for him and he's saying, look at the reality of what Bracious Baruch Kim really talks about. Bracious Baruch Kim means take a, an in-depth look at the world around us. Take a look at, take an in-depth look at everything that you appreciate, everything that you can see and that you can touch and that you can sense and all of the wonder and the, and, and the detail that's involved in it and the splendor of it all and understand that's everything Hashem brought into existence, and then go below the surface, as he said in the next line. Are you glad of the firm surface of the earth supporting you and yours? Are you glad of its meadowy expanse and its many species of trees, glad of the animals frolicking in the waters and in the air, or with you on the ground? Do you see the sun, the moon, and the stars above you regulating the times of the day, the months, and the years, directing the round of awakening and sleep, of rise and fall, of blossoming and withering upon earth? One God, one omnipotent creator proclaims the Torah by whose word everything became what it is. The reality of all this is to bring us simply to the recognition of how much we owe or how much we have to recognize the greatness of what Hashem really is. Shemaivar is heaven and earth, his work, his, the light in the air, oceans and continents, his plants, fishes, birds, insects and beasts, the sun, the moon, the stars, his creation. He spoke, he, he says it, and it became and it came into being. If you now contemplate separately all that was created from the blade of grass to the sun's orb, if you if you look at the detail of every little thing, set, separate each one out, forget about looking at them as their broad expanse and how they impact us and how how it is that we appreciate them for what they are. So forget about the, the, the symmetry and the poetry and the beauty of it all, but look at the wonder of each individual thing. I believe what Hershey is trying to do over here is the following. There's a famous idea. Um, pardon me if I if I've forgotten the who who which philosopher it was that says that said this, right? That there, there are those that believe that the world happened by chance. Some chance explosion of just the right balance of chemicals and materials that flat that flash together in an instant whether it's through a black hole or whatever 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 other um whatever whatever other uh material material way you want to describe 
the happening of the Big Bang, and everything came into existence. So somebody once said, the chance, if a person looks around at the, at the world around us and understands its complexity and understands the depth to the, its depth, everything that there is, the chances of all of that happening in, its, in a perfect world and with the perfect balance and the perfect need for the maintaining of, of what all of that is, there's more chance of a tornado blowing through a junkyard and assembling a 747 than there is of that, all of that happening by, by some random chance. And as since no, most rational people would not assume that a tornado could blow through a junkyard and assemble a 747, it's highly unlikely that one could believe that the world around us is something that is that is there simply by chance. That some uh, chance possibilities, even uh, rules and laws that could create the kind of balances that are necessary if you have ever uh, had the unfortunate circumstance of seeing somebody who's becomes uh, uh, is, is is ill and the, the the chemical you have to monitor the chemical balances in their body um, of what maintains what, what what maintains life. It's unbelievable. One just one one microgram or one one milliliter off, and everything in the entire body starts to break down and and, and fall apart. This is what he's talking about. If you now contemplate separately all that was created from the blade of grass to the sun's orb, look at each individual thing, each endowed with this purpose of its own, each specifically designed. Everything in the world fits exactly where it's supposed to be in substance and form for that purpose. It is the self-same Almighty's wisdom that designed and designated all of them, calling the lights to serve the day, darkness to serve the night. Um, the atmosphere to become the earth's sky, the masses of water to be the oceans, the dry land to become the developing earth, the stars to be the regulators of the seasons. By his wisdom, substance, form, power, and dimensions were assigned and dealt out to each according to its purpose. Everyone in a very specific amount, in a very specific range, you know, again, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot to understand this point. You know, it's, if the if the if the orbit of the Earth's around the Sun were to vary by by literally by a degree or two, it would be the difference between life and death for us. It would be the difference between a world that could survive because it would either be too hot or too cold. It it's simply everything is is examined and moved out to absolute perfection. His wisdom decreed and everything became what it is: the smallest and the biggest. All were called into being and service by God's word, were formed by God's finger. All the forces governing them and all the laws according to which they operate, which you discern and marvel at, from the forces and the laws according to which a stone falls or a seed germinates to those governing the movement of the planets and the unfolding of your spirit. All these forces are from God, the omnipotent, and in all these laws, it is his word that reigns. <clears throat> so the, the reality is, is, the balance of what's been created, the, 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 the paradigm that we're looking at is that there's a supreme power, there is a source for existence as we know it in all of its, all of its grandeur and splendor and all of its perfection. And it's within all of that that he also laid out for us the pathway to come to know him, which is through his laws and through his teachings. Now, look at this entire host of creations. How? Though greatly differing from each other in their properties and purpose, they have been linked in one great harmonious system. 
each one functioning in its particular place, in its time, using the resources apportioned to it. None functioning at cross purposes to others, but rather each supporting the whole and the whole supporting each one. Who then mediates between opposites and unites the myriads into one whole? What is it that creates all of this balance? What is it that allows for the function of all of this? It's just, you know, it occurred to me the other day, I was, I was reading a story, a new story about the fact they're saying now that there are hundreds and thousands of pythons in the, for, in the, in the, in the Florida Everglades. Because people took their pets and dumped them, and the, the, these pythons are apex predators that nothing else can take can take them on. Not even the largest of the alligators they're able to. They can literally eat an alligator. Um, for you know that's that. So they're taking over the Everglades and destroying the entire ecosystem there. One little thing goes out of balance, and everything is thrown out of whack. So how is it that a world that we functioned with such uh, with, with, with such delicate balance, where does it all come from? What, what is it that we can point to to what it become to, to, to what makes it into all of this? That's that is that's the goal of what's what's being told to us in the creation narrative and the point of telling us that Hashem is the one that created created everything. Hashem is the one who says the same, it is the self-same one alone who stands as the conciliator between light and darkness, life and death. And thus, his love provides matter and energy for the world to function, while his, ju- his justice sets limits, goals, and boundaries. The harmonizer of opposites is his name. Right. The, the reality is that, that, that Hashem is, is the one that is able to make all of the different elements of the world function together in their exact balance, where they're supposed to be. Once he created, formed, and arranged it all, by Yivarech, he blessed it with the blessing of continued preservation and continued development. Not only was everything brought into existence by him, it also continues to exist through him. This is the idea that I was expressing before. The, 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 the reality of the world is Elohim. The reality of the world as we know it is, is a world which is, um, <clears throat> which is, which is, derives from a source. It derives from the Bala Kochaskulam, the one who is the source of all energy, the one who is continuously maintaining it and looking for it to be what it's supposed to be. Every bloom and blossom, every germ and fruit, the young in the protective care of its mother, the infant you cradle in your arms, they are all his blessings, all of them. Everything positive that we see in the world Every time that the, that baby is born, and all of the impossible realities that that that, that a birth um, uh, entails, right? The, the the entire, if you understand the process, um, right? Tetz describes it very beautifully that everything has to change. There's a hole when a baby's born; he's the heart has a hole in it. The lungs are deflated. The child is coming from 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 living inside. A inside the inside the 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 birth sac filled with fluid. So every a, a, the the blood the food is being provided through its stomach, but its its, its mouth is sealed shut. Everything has to switch around. And the instant that the child comes into the world, 
everything has to flip over and change completely. The heart, the hole in the heart has to close up, the lungs have to inflate, the, the muscles in the body have to clamp down on so that so that the nutri the, the blood flow is 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 not lost through the umbilical cord. Everything that changes in that instant that when, when that child is born into existence, how does, where does that happen? That's that is the bracha, that is what Hashem created. He who created, formed, and arranged, blessed by Yinafash, he effaced himself. At that point, disappeared, invisible, like the soul in the body. He withdrew and concealed himself, like a soul in his creation, just like David Amal, King David talks about this idea. He mentions it on the bottom. Hashem, just like this, what this what the soul is to the body, Hashem is to the world. In the same way that the soul, that the soul. Is, is is there and uh, the, the the perception is that the body is the is the is the main thing and the soul is is the, is is um, secondary to it. The reality is is that the life force of the body is the soul. The same way Hashem is the life force for the world, and Hashem is is everything that 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 fill, that fills the world and transforms it. And that's the reality that we're that 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 we're coming to recognize. That's the reality examination of creation and all that is in it is continues to be that part of it you perceive his work you marvel at his creations you glimpse his laws you enjoy his blessings but he himself the creator shaper and benefactor of the world cannot be beheld by our mortal hour we are too small to actually see him we don't we don't recognize him openly we can only recognize him through what he does and therefore, when you see all this and marvel at it, when you fathom its laws and benefit from its blessings, bow down and worship him, the one alone who created, formed, arranged, and blessed it, and pay homage to him, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-just, and all-loving. Um, that's, the, that's, the, that's the essence of what this is. Now, what Hirsch does here after this is he, I'm not, I'm not going to read through all of them, but he uses long paragraphs, which are, again, it's a fascinating way of looking at, at it, but he uses long, long paragraphs here from Psalms, from Tehillim, and then an even longer quote over here from, from Eov that I invite you all to read through on your own. It will be, again, I, I feel like we would, I would lose the, I would lose the, everybody's attention in trying to do this. But what I encourage you to do when you're reading this, when you read through it, sense, close your eyes and sense the poetry of what's being said, because that's what Hirsch appreciates. It's the power of the language. It's the it's the ability to to create the images through the words that are being said in a way that is that is that is transformational. In other words, it, if you if you stop to appreciate it, what what's coming through, what is what what he does so. Um, incredibly well is to take um, sections from Tanakh and from 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 all areas they quote, and he does this regularly throughout the throughout throughout the the book. You're going to see this over and over again. But it, it it's the it's first of all he's translated them in his own way. You wouldn't necessarily not everything would you necessarily have translated the way he translates it, but he does so. With a, he does so with an eye to the poetry, to the, to the to an appreciation of the language that is transformative, and that I think is for that. Again, I feel like it's it's reading it out loud would only uh, take away from from the from the experience. It's worthwhile just reading through it, but and but appreciating the the power of what's being said. 
Okay, so so I am going to skip um, to the next to the next page on page thirty-two. Um, this again, all of this are 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 are, are a, a section from Tehillim and a section from Eov, in which he shows the person the, the 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 potential of a human being to stop and appreciate every little aspect of Hashem's tremendous power in the world. One creator, everything else, everything that you know is his creation, the manifestation of this one alone. Everything is arranged by him and subordinate to him. Everything is called into being by him, existing through him, functioning through him. This world then, what is it? We're treading on hallowed ground, dear Benjamin. We live in the world of God. Let's stop on this. Let's stop to, to think this. Uh, think about this idea for just a moment. <clears throat> what the Torah declares, what Judaism believes, the, the concept of monotheistic belief, the underlying uh, idea is that there is one supreme being through which everything else is channeled. Not just simply that everything else is channeled through it and exists separately from it, but is in actual fact a manifestation, if you will, an extension of him. We are we are simply living the existence within him. That's that's really where we are. It's everything is arranged and subordinated. It means everything is it, that is. It's it's all about connecting to that source. It's about connecting back to the place where everything belongs, where everything is connected, where everything is. Uh, um, its very being is defined by a relationship with him. We are treading on hallowed ground. We live in the world of God. Not, not just not, not something, not just that, that he owns it, but that's all, it's all of it is him. It's all an expression of him. And it's all around it is, a, is the potential for us to recognize what he is. Everything around us was created by God and serves him. Every force of nature is the messenger of God. Matter is what God has apportioned to these forces to work with in and through in accordance with his mighty laws. Everything exists in God's service at its post in its time to fulfill God's word with the means and powers allocated to it, contributing its share to him to become part of one all-inclusive entity. Wow, what a sentence. Um, I, 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 I remember reading somewhere that um, this is just, the, that's, that, that is part of the, the difficulty of reading um, Hershey and German is that the sentences tend to be very run on and long. But he, again, the power of what's being of what's being expressed here is that everything is an expression of Hashem's existence. That that's simply what it, everything that it, that there is is there to declare there is a Rebbeinu there is a Master of the Universe, there is a God, there is an all powerful being that it that is that is the one that wills all this into existence at every moment, and therefore is it, all of it is an expression of him. That's what it means to be in service of him. That's what it means, that's what it means to be, um, to, be um, to, 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 to become part of one all-inclusive entity. Everything serves God. <clears throat> Again, a quote from Tell, and this time I'll read it. It's short enough that I'll, I'll read this one. He who clothes himself with light as with a garment, right? This is referring to the Rebbe himself, the light is as if it's a garment who spreads out the heavens as a carpet who erects over the water his arches, lays the clouds at his feet, walks upon the wings of the wind. He makes the storm his messenger 
the flaming, the flaming fire, his servants. Again, everything that there is, uh, everything that exists is, is, only, is only an expression of Hashem. Gales and lightning, rain and snow, the worm, right? So on the one hand, the incredibly most powerful forces of nature. On the other hand, the worm crawling at your feet, the grasses waving in your path, the most passive elements, the, the pieces that, that, that are just uh, bring out a sense of serenity, the thunder that rolls majestically and the slightest refreshing breeze, the extreme opposites of what we see all are his servants. Right, and that's for as the rain and snow descend from the heaven and return not to that until they have moistened the earth and cause it to bear and yield fruit, so they've given seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Thus also is my word which comes forth from my mouth. This is from the Haftorah that we say on uh, on fast days, on, on the fast days, right? Nothing comes back, nothing returns to me empty. It shall do which I desire and accomplish that for which I sent it forth. Right, that's a quote from Yeshaya, by the way. That's that's where the it's right before that is where the expression Yad Vashem comes from for the memorial that we have. But the, the Yad Vashem means again, it's a memorial to Hashem. Everything that happens in the world, good and bad, powerful and weak, it's all an expression of Hashem's reality. Servants, all of them surrounding God's throne. For don't you understand it? I'll say this it was not with just one word. One summons of creations that Almighty brought this world into being, the whole of it and every detail. For if it had been created in this manner, everything would be directly dependent on God for its existence, life, and functioning. Instead, he called his world into existence in 10 stages. All right, it says, use 10 different, different forces or 10, 10 different utterances, if you will, to bring the world into existence. Um, and he created an abundance of forces intermingled and functioning closely together according to his word, and then he separated them so that each had to sustain the other. None was henceforth able to exist and function by itself, but had to be sustained by fellow creatures and in turn had to help them exist and function. In this way, everything contributes according to its strength, however much or little, to the existence of the whole. And if, the, and if it destroys a fellow creature, it robs itself of what it needs for its own existence. Again, he's talking about it, 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 it's talking about um, it's talking about uh, it means if it completely one thing completely destroys another, then there would be no way for it to continue. Then you you be the the whole world would be missing something. It would be missing a piece. It's like a large engine. Right, that even though it has parts of which we see the function of them is important and critical, and there are parts of them that we see as being uh, uh, irreplaceable or 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 not 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 possible to live without, and yet the tiniest little cogs are actually what makes that all work together. If, if without without one or the other, nothing can continue to function properly. So in this way. Hashem set up the world so that every little piece, every little creature, regardless of how small and insignificant it may seem on its own, but as a part of the whole pattern, as a part of the entirety of what it is, it it all needs one another. So thus, water, after having penetrated the soil, is collected in the clouds and seas. Light, after having permeated the earth and brought forth the plants, 
these children of light is yet concentrating the sun, the moon, and the stars. The seed after germination in the ground is taken from the earth to become the ripened fruits so that the earth will have to receive again in order to give again. Thus, <clears throat> one immense bond of love. The, there's a continuous cycle of need of depending on being able to give to one another, of receiving and giving unites all beings. That's, a, that's the, the concept, the underlying, the underlying principle around which uh, the, the idea of love really exists was from, as Tesla writes, and as we've studied in other classes before this, the Hebrew word for love is ahava, which comes from the word hav, which means to give. Meaning the process of giving is the process of connecting. But you can't give without there being a recipient. And the recipient is as critical as the, as the giver themselves. The, if, the give, if there is no recipient for that which the giver wants to do, then the recipient can't manifest what, the, excuse me, the giver can't manifest what it is that he wants that he wants. And the, so the, 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 the mutual um, uh, symbiotic, symbiotic relationship of the giver versus the receiver. Again, this is a, a longer discussion in the sense that <clears throat> there is an idea there are two types of people, and there are two types. There are two. There are two types, or there are two energies in the world um, that have to be examined: one destructive and one productive. That is giving and taking. There are those that live to give, and there are those who live to take. Those who live to take means that they see everything in the world as being there to serve them. In the in a way that is all about them, so that they become fully focused on themselves. Um, we would call this, there's, there's a measure of arrogance in it, there's a measure of self, self-absorption in it. When we meet those kind of people, or when we run into those kind of people, we find ourselves wanting to run the other way, because, because they, 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 they don't add anything to the world. They, they constrict everything into the existence that is that is themselves, <clears throat> as opposed to those that want to give, um, there are those that, where the energy the, the energy that drives them is to give to others. They're constantly expanding themselves. So we find that Hazal teaches us, the rabbis teach us, says Sone matanos yichya. Somebody who hates gifts is somebody who will live. That means. If I don't want my, de- if I don't want to be dependent on others for my existence, rather I want my existence to be one of which I have myself defined, then by, by myself, then I'm in some way manifesting godlike at- attributes, the power of giving, the one that's being the source of energy, as opposed to be the one that's absorbing the energy. Uh, that's the, that's what we always that's that's the energy that we want to be ma- manifest in the world. The problem is, if we're all givers, whom are we giving to? So the answer is that there's a difference between a between a recipient and a taker. A taker is one who takes for himself. A recipient is one who accepts something so that it can feed back to the one who's giving to them something more. In other words, in taking, they're actually given. The classical example of this would be, the Gemara in Kedushin says, 
that if a king were to um, were to uh, were to accept a gift from somebody, or let's say a, a, a princess were to accept a gift from a from a regular person, that would be considered a Misa Kiddushin in just in the fact that they chose to accept something. In other words, allowing somebody to, if somebody's of royalty and allows somebody to give them a gift, allowing them to give that gift is in itself a gift. They, they're accepting the gift from the simple person is in itself a gift. If I take something to someone and I want to, I want to give it to them, and they don't really need what it is that I have to offer them, and they take it anyway. Their graciousness in accepting what I have given to them is a is the, who's the, who's the real giver and who's the real recipient in that in that situation. The person who's actually giving the gift is the recipient of the honor that the person that took the gift is is bestowing upon them. You can by being a recipient, you can be a bigger giver than the giver themselves. You create a cycle which is what he's referring to over here, the one immense bond of love, of receiving and giving, unites all beings. It's, it's the ability to accept something so that it can allow somebody else to reach their purpose or allow somebody else to do what they need to do. None exists by itself and for itself. There's a constant striving of each creature with, with just skip a word, of, there's a constant striving of each creature with through and for the others on behalf of the whole and of the whole on behalf of every creature. The world, in when it's functioning the way it's supposed to, right, is filled with symbiotic giving. By what I mean by symbiotic giving, I mean is, is, that, is that my giving enables me to be greater and the recipient who accepts what I have given them, is, although they are a beneficiary of whatever it is that I'm giving them, but they're also... The, the the giver to back to me of what it is that I, that it meant for me to give so so that all that exists in the world is constantly creating that cycle that's what it means that we're creative God set up the world to be a place where he is giving and we're the recipient and yet by 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 us being the recipient it manifests on a certain level again, According, this is only in as much as we're able to understand it, but it manifests as us allowing, quote unquote, allowing God to fulfill his potential. In fact, Nefesh Achaim, Rav Chaim Valozhner, in his classical philosophical work, Nefesh Achaim writes that that's the, that is, that's the, that is, that is exactly what's going on. We, on a certain level, give strength to the creator by allowing the creator to give up, give to us by accepting or being open to the fact that we're received recipients of his gift. In a certain sense, we are, in, we are, we are making him stronger. We're making him into a bigger giver, into more of a giver. And that is, the, uh, the, um, that is, that, that, that those that have faith in Hashem, they give him more cloth. They, they add to his energy. They increase the spiritual flow of energy that's manifest in the world so that his presence is more, is, is more greatly felt. When that cyclical type of um, symbiotic relationship exists, we create godliness in the world. Everything receives strength and resources, not for itself as such, but merely in order to give and thereby to attain the fulfillment of the purpose of its existence. Hashem stands for love. 
Hashem's whole existence, Hashem's whole manifestation, his whole all of what he is, his full expression of what he is, is, is love. Love means giving, but not giving because I want to giving in order to make somebody else great, bigger. And by their accepting or being vulnerable to or open to that sense of need from the one from who is giving to them, they create a bond between them. And that say our sages love sustained and sustaining characterizes the creation of the earth. That's where we are. Everything in it whispers to you. The whole purpose of the world is about love. It's a, a giving and receiving and creating that call, creating that energy. This is this is the true manifestation of what Hashem is in the world. Hashem, the, the purpose of the world is not for myself, not for my attainment of greatness, not for my attainment of perfection, not for my attainment of happiness, but it's for the attainment of the world's happiness, that the world should exist on a plane where everything is, we all exist for one another. We exist because we, my existence enhances your existence and your existence enhances my existence and together our existence enhances the presence of the revolution enhances the presence of Hashem in the world because that's the world that he created a one that is is uh, is manifest as this symbiotic world of constant giving and giving and giving because giving where we remain we, we remain the recipients of that greatness and that love, that's ultimately the true expression of what the world is. It's not about controlling anything. It's not about um, o- overriding other people's uh, energies. It's not about um, forcing uh, somebody else's will upon ourselves. It's, it's a system by which we can ultimately express the true, full manifestation and, and, and uh, munificence, so to speak, of HaKadosh Baruch of Hashem in the world, because everything becomes an expression of Him, an expression of His given. That's ultimately what we're striving for. That's ultimately what the, what the purpose of this world has to be. That's the direction where history is heading, is, is, is sending us that we're, that we're, of what we're trying to accomplish. All right, that's, that's, a, that's quite, a, quite a mouthful, I think, uh, for in, in terms of uh, understanding the whole my sabracious and the whole the reality, but the goal I believe is for us to stop for pause for a moment and to reflect on everything that Hashem really does or has does do for us in terms of the world, in terms of the universe, in terms of what it is, and then to understand how we play a role in all of that in creating that symbiotic relationship that enhances His cause, which in turn enhances our cough because it creates a greater spiritual feed, which br- brings the whole of the existence closer together to be manifest as a spiritual whole or manifesting spiritual potential in the physical dimension, manifesting within ourselves the reality of what his giving is really all about. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody. Enjoy those paragraphs that he that he that we skipped because they're extremely powerful when they're read in this context and uh and very, very moving. All right, I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Have a good night, everybody.